You're listening to the Nutmeg Arena by the Nutmeg Assist. Hello and welcome to another episode of the TNA podcast brought to you by the Nutmeg Assist. Myself Prithvik, the host of the show, and I'm joined by my co-host Chris as usual. Welcome Chris. Thank you. Bit disappointed to be here this weekend considering Liverpool took over Everton in the league, but you know. <laughs> I suppose yeah. uh, I suppose I need to get used to that for the rest of the season. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like you say, I mean Good things don't last way too often for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely, definitely in the uh, recent history, anyway. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and this week we've had some interesting stuff going on in the Premier League. I mean, we still are searching for the first goalless draw of the season in the Premier League. We still haven't got that. And we have a lot of controversies as well with the handball rule. We'll come to the handball yeah. rule, but before we come on to that, a big, big shocker happened this Sunday. Manchester City versus Leicester. Leicester travelled to the Etihad, and they came out with a 5-2 win against Manchester City. Pep Guardiola got outclassed tactically by Brendan Rodgers, and that is a statement, a statement win for Leicester City as well, Chris. So I yeah. Mean, Obviously, it was like uh, in terms of result, it's massive, massive for the confidence as well. As for City, yes, they were missing a lot of key players, but you can't lose five two. And the way they conceded all the goals, the way they conceded penalties, not just one, not just two, yeah. but three penalties. If I'm not wrong, the game they conceded, and that that's poor. That's poor. All three penalties which they conceded were really, really poor. But Talking from a general perspective, Chris, on the match, what I mean before the match, what was your whole thought on this? Do you think Leicester could actually squeeze in a result? Yeah, yeah. I, again, I don't. You, you would make Manchester City favourites for maybe nearly every game that they play, other than Liverpool at the moment. So I think they were favourites to win the game, but I didn't by any stretch of imagination assume that they were going to win this game. I don't. That definitely wasn't a foregone conclusion. Leicester, the way they play. Uh, are always going to create chances. Doesn't, doesn't matter who they play against, but probably similar scenario to Manchester City. They'll always give chances away at the other end. But obviously, the most notable difference in this fixture was the the change of formation by Leicester. And again, once again, City failed to uh, break the three man defence down. And I, th- I think now, I think I mentioned to you the other day when we were speaking over this. This is becoming a bit of a bit of a regular theme now for Manchester City Leon, I played okay when you look at Leicester obviously they 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 three at the back were operated slightly differently to the way Leon approached their game but in a sense that I think Leicester's was more of a 3-4-3 but the outcome and the way that they got at City was similar to Leon in a sense that they they were they were both uh, they, they were both finding uh, lot, both finding lots of space and the ability to run at Manchester City defence. And once once you beat that first press, City have got issues at the moment, which we'll, we'll, we'll come to and I'm sure you'll agree with in a minute. But once you beat that first press from the sh- from the strikers or from the front three or the front four, depending on what formation that they play, you, you've got a chance of scoring against them. You really have. You, you, you're going to, you've got, or at the very least, you've got a chance of having a good chance of scoring. Whether you score or not is obviously dependent on the quality that that team shows at that moment. But and that's that's not something you're used to seeing with a Pep Guardiola team. Pep Guardiola probably similar to the way Klopp approaches pressing, probably not as intensely um, as they as Liverpool do the counter press. But with Manchester City, they very much press high. With it's it's like a calculated risk, isn't it? It's sort of uh, you press high and trend that try and win the ball back as high up the pitch, knowing that maybe on one or two occasions the opposition might play get in behind you and maybe they will get a chance on goal. But given the fact that Manchester City have the quality that they have and given the, how good that they are keeping the ball, that, that's the calculated risk. You allow that happen, uh, to happen on the basis that eight, eight times out of ten you'll, you'll get the ball back and then score yourself. So, But in this game it was completely different. It felt like, it felt like Leicester were bypassing them. At every opportunity, and then obviously the quality of defending at the moment. Manchester City's defence is just not good enough. It doesn't matter what way you, whether you want to focus on the centre backs or the full backs or the way they're organised individually, they're not good enough. Collectively, they're not good enough, and they're not getting organised good enough. 
Yeah, I completely agree with you there as well, mate. And especially what what was uh, pretty much surprising for me was that Pep was pretty harsh on Fernandinho the whole game, especially the first half, where he was very much critical of Fernandinho. And surprisingly, he took Fernandinho off. I think probably because yeah. he wasn't having the perfect impact in the game. Yes. But I think that probably cost them a lot. I think he got the substitution wrong. I mean, you look at the whole. Oh, absolutely, the, yeah. You look at the way the game went. City scored a wonder goal. I mean, the set piece was defended well by Leicester. James just naturally cleared it out to a you know low risk area or a low you know, low shot area, and the finish from Mares with his weaker foot was magnificent. And I think it's already one of the goals of the season candidate as well. The technique yeah. was brilliant and. Pretty much City were passing, but without no purpose. I, I don't think there was much purpose in City's passing the way they, they tried to break Leicester out. Leicester were very much compact. Off the ball, they they had the five five at the back and Mendy sitting right in front. And Mendy did a good job. I mean, you you have concerns over Mendy as well. But, and definitely when Wilfred and Didi comes in, I think Mendy does, Mendy does not play. He's the one who's going to get left out. Amarty played in centre-back, Johnny Evans, so yeah. played a centre-back, Castagna and James Justin right and left. They completely were compact and due to this whole compactness, City had to find ways to attack through the wings, through the flanks and you saw Kyle Walker and Mendy get on to the flanks. Walker was especially in present in wide areas and most often Fernandinho and Fernandinho and Rodri are two players who, who, who pretty much like to pass it vertically and Rodri is someone who's not very mobile as well. I mean, you, you, you could probably say he's kind of a Pep Guardiola when Pep Guardiola was a player. He's kind of uh, that, that that profile and he's not very mobile as well. So, I mean, you have you always have concerns over how Red, Rodri performs when the opposition well, gets the ball and uh, goes on counters. Yeah. I would go as far as saying, I mean, the issue is not just his mobility. He's not good enough. Yeah. He's not good enough to play the role at the moment. Whether he gets better or not, you don't know. But at the moment, the relying the, the, this squad, this squad. I mean, where do you start with this at the moment? Again, the the, the false nine is okay. The person up front, okay. So Sterling started centrally, didn't he? I know. I know yeah. it looked at times that he were he, 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 he was he was playing out wide and he would swap the role. It looked like maybe they were ro- rotating a lot there. It's also interesting to know that obviously Manchester City this season seems to be start going towards a 4-2-3-1, which signifies me. It signals to me that Guardiola is trying to get City to be better off the ball and intent and press a lot better than what maybe they did last season. Maybe he's seen some weaknesses there. I don't know, but you can't just stick anyone in that position in that false nine role or or again when even a false nine role really. If you play a 4-2-3-1, that one is not. A false, it's it's not a false nine rob is where you're dropping into you're dropping into the area that De Bruyne is supposed to be playing and again I don't know yeah. if it suits De Bruyne playing as that number 10 I think you know, I need to allow him to roam around the pitch so again I don't, I'm not quite sure if that works for them at this moment obviously they're going they're missing Aguero who knows Jesus as well yeah again but I, for, me, for me I just I don't know if he's good enough anyway but again I suppose that that is a different matter entirely or a different subject to be breached at a different time obviously we focus on this game itself but they're missing Aguero and they're over-reliant on him because yeah. at the moment they just don't look like they don't look like the same Manchester City where they, you know they're going to score two or three a game they just don't look like the same team of Alston just I mean you're talking about the, one of the best strikers in Premiership history that's a given that you would miss him I, I, I don't know I mean I mean, where do you start at Manchester City I mean I tried to break this down as much as possible before we we went on tonight's show, but there was that many issues that I was writing down. I thought, Christ, this is this is an old this is its own podcast in itself yeah. at the moment. Yeah, because right, I, I was thinking you sort of like you try and break it down. You think, well, obviously that sort of, that sort of second foil to Aguero or just an, a, stri- a striker that offers more of a goal threat than. Jesus, that's one issue. But then you've got the Rodri issue. Rodri's not, he can't be classed as Fernandinho's replacement at the moment. No one near. You've got the centre-half issue. For me, Kyle Walker's best days are behind him also. I I, I still think there's there's question marks over the keeper's performance in the last 12 months. I really do. I remember we spoke on another. I know Edison's main role at the moment 
when, when you play like Manchester City have done in the prime, and I'm talking now 18 months ago or before last season, obviously the, the, the main area they, they're looking for from their keeper is to keep possession. Because they know yeah. if they get 70% of the possession of the ball, then the opposition, the opposition who have 30% might not get a shot on goal anyway. So the keeper can afford not to be great at shot stopping as long as he's really good at helping Manchester City keep the ball. Yeah, and he's, so he's actually... Yeah, he's actually a major part of the build-up play as well. I mean, you see yeah, 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 exactly, yeah, yeah, exactly. So if you've got a normal keeper, uh, I don't know, Mr. Joe Bloggs, um, who, who who sits in goal for you, and you're only keeping sixty percent of the ball, or even fifty-five percent of the ball, you know the opposition are going to do something with their percentage of the ball. It's likely because they've had quite a bit of it. So you need your keeper to be good at shot stopping, or you're going you're going to need them to be good at some kind of ability at keeping the ball out the goal. But if you're getting 72, 73, 70% possession of the ball, then you need your keeper to actually be just as good on the ball as what he is off it. So that's where Edison is fundamental to a City play. But at the moment, because you're getting the opposition are getting that many chances against Manchester City, then you need to be looking at the keeper thinking, well, we need you to actually be better here at actually keeping the ball out the goal. Because, again, it, it doesn't fill me with confidence to look at some of the the goals that City have conceded sort of at the back end of last season and this season. And I think, oh, God, could you have done better there? All right, Jamie Vardy's second goal. Uh, the fl- It was the second goal, wasn't it? The flick uh, from the... Yeah, okay, yeah, it is, yeah. A bit, it is a bit It is a bit of brilliant play, but then you look at it and you think, could your position yeah, have been I- a little bit better? Could your reaction of that be a, lo- a little bit better? I'm thinking... I always think you've got to compare every keeper in the league to, at the minute to Alisson. If, if that's Alisson, it stays out the goal for me. And it's a key moment because that's the that's the goal that puts City ahead, uh, Leicester ahead. Sorry, and that's I think it's five minutes after Fernandinho went off the pitch. So again, it changes yeah. the whole complexion of the game. So I think I think there's an area to be worried about there. Maybe maybe not necessarily as a, a replacement for Edison, but certainly he needs to improve. But and then so they're just they're just the issues that I've highlighted on the pitch. But and this is where my defensive Guardiola comes in. Now he's getting a lot of stick at the moment, and a lot of people. Obviously, rival fans are going all hammering and saying, "Oh, we spent this money in this." But yeah. who's in? Oh, and that's fine. But let's say let's compare this to Liverpool for a second. When Liverpool make a great signing, or they make a signing of good business and they spend the money well, Michael Edwards gets all the praise. Do you know what I mean? And when Liverpool, like for example, like before you bought Thiago and before you bought Diego Jota, and they say after the Leeds game. And I think yourself said this when when they when it didn't look like they were going to sign a player, FSG get criticised. Klopp doesn't get criticised. Yeah, it's FSG. So Michael Edwards takes the praise, and yeah. FSG get criticised for not spending the money. So I don't think it's fair to say when Manchester City spend the money wrong, it's all Guardiola's issue. It's all Guardiola's fault. I mean, what are the club doing about this? Who's in charge of recruitment at Manchester City? It's it, it's Siki Bagiristin and and and, yeah, and, I, yeah. and I have to say his uh, I mean he has a good track record of signing you know strikers and his scouting network is also brilliant. That's what that's the whole reason why he was bought by City from Barcelona in the first place. Soriano was yeah. also appointed as the you know I mean if I'm, if I'm not wrong CEO long back and that's the whole reason they bought him. But his recruitment in terms of defenders has actually it's, been very poor. It's been poor. Yeah, I mean, you have to call dis- a spade a spade. It, yeah, it's borderline disgraceful, if I'm yeah. honest. Yeah. It is really terrible now. Okay, again, we, we, the manager will always take the hit on this, but I mean, I was using Liverpool purely as a scenario, or as solely as a, a comparison basis there, because that's what happens when Liverpool buy players. Ed, everyone, obviously, Michael Edwards gets the credit, and rightfully so, because he's done some great business over the years. If Liverpool don't sign anyone or they've signed the FSG, have got it in the next. So again, again, Guardiola's got to take some responsibility for it. I'm not, I'm not trying to shield them completely from the blame, but I think that's more from a tactical issue. I think he's getting he's getting stuck in between of stuck in between maybe knowing what his best system is and whether his as players are capable of trying to play that system at the moment. But again, I think bigger questions have got to be asked above him at the moment yeah. and who's recruiting whatever they need a sport a new sport and directing in place who's negotiating these deals why why are they spending the money that they are on certain players and why why why, why has it took them so long to sort of we mentioned I said to you a different time 
when Manchester City, when they won that league, when they finished 20, on 98 points that year, I said that's the best that this, they've now eclipsed. That's the best that they can do. They're not going to. They're not going to do that. And if Liverpool get anywhere, maintain anywhere near the level of consistency that they did the second half of that season, they win the league the year after, and that's what happened. And City couldn't cope with them. And it weren't. Because, I know they had some vital injuries. Sané and Laporte both got injury, and they were crucial. But they wouldn't. I don't think they would have maintained the consistency anyway, because I think the the, the best players are actually going beyond their prime years now. And City are failing to replace him. Again, Gabriel, he's, used, he's a good player. He's a very, very good player, but he's not Aguero's replacement and he's nowhere near as prolific as him. He's still, obviously, we still don't know whether Ruben Diaz might maybe that future, but he's still not replaced company. Fernandinho, there's still not an, there's still no kind of replacement for him. I know Rod, they've attempted to get Rodri, but again, looking at him now, and even looking at him at, at Atletico Madrid, I don't know why they identified him as... The Fernandinho sort of to take over from him. David Silva, well, uh, you're hoping you sort of look at the way Phil Foden plays and you're thinking, well, maybe maybe he will get to that level because I really think he's got some ability to go on to be, to play at, at that level. But he doesn't seem to be fancying him at the moment because he doesn't seem to be playing him centrally all the time. So uh, I know yeah. he drifts in and he rotates. So again, I think there's massive, massive areas that, of concern for Manchester City I think going back to the actual match itself before we finish up and we move on I think I think it's fair to say that maybe it, maybe it is a one-off I don't think they won't play the t- a team with a Jamie Vardy in every week and they won't play a team with that amount of pace who can counter-attack as good as what Leicester did on Sunday every week so I mean they will get they will get better and I still think they'll finish second Manchester City but I don't think they'll get anywhere near Liverpool this year because defence is not good enough yeah and and like you said this is actually a whole podcast topic to be honest Man City and the way they, they I mean they've kind of slipped off in the recent past but I mean just adding to a point before winding up Man City I mean if you, if you look at purely in terms of the game they were actually I mean in, in, in during the build up when they had the ball they had the two centre-backs it was kind of a 2-4 with Rodri uh Rodri and Fernandinho in between and uh, Kyle Walker and Benjamin Mendy getting forward. It's, it, it was kind of that way and Kevin De Bruyne yeah. was actually going and supporting Kyle Walker down the right so that, I mean, yeah. he had some wide support runs and he was putting a few crosses in but you had no mo- no moments from Sterling. You had no moments from yeah. Sterling. You had no moments from Foden. I mean, there were, t- I, I, I think there were two or three crosses. I mean, just... I mean, the kind of crosses where Jamie Vardy scored that flick. I mean, if it's Jesus, I, I know Jesus hasn't been perfect, but if it's Jesus there, or if it was Aguero there, they would definitely be on the end of it. I mean, they have the moment in, moment in them, and I, I didn't see that from Raheem Sterling in that game. And I think that probably was also one of the reasons why Leicester felt like, okay, they did not trouble much, and City were kind of clueless at times. Foden had a bad game, in my opinion. Mendy again, yeah. he couldn't create anything. I mean, he, he every time he got the ball, he could have tried for some adventure, adventurous pass, but he always played it safe. And they couldn't build really build up the game apart from Kevin De Bruyne and Kyle Walker kind yeah. of trying from the right hand side. So I, I, I felt Leicester did a good job tactically, and the penalties they gave were pretty pretty cheap. The first penalty, especially which uh, oh, yeah. Kyle Walker gave away. I mean, his body position was wrong in the first place. Secondly, he yeah. just uh, he just let Jamie Vardy run past him. You have to mark Jamie Vardy there. And you yeah. give him a cheap penalty. Benjamin Mendy, the penalty Benjamin Mendy gave away was absolutely cheap as well. I mean, that was a brilliant pass from Yuri Tielemans right, uh, you know, right through Nathan Ake and Castagne delivered. I mean, was it Castagne who got fouled? I, I, I guess so. And yes, things like that is probably, you know, very very important the little things. Eric Garcia I felt had a good first half because he 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 anticipated a lot of Leicester's attack, but second half he he wasn't good enough at all. So yes, these yeah. little little mistakes cost them, and also I mean there, there were tactical issues like you said, Chris. So that that was pretty yeah. much I I think the reason for and taking taking no credit away from Leicester as well because despite going one nil down, you often see from Brendan Rodgers' team when when they go down they kind of lose. I mean they lose kind of hope at times. But Brendan Rodgers yesterday he knew he couldn't play expansive against Man City. I mean, this team, any Man City team, you you can't obviously always try to play expansive because that will come and bite you. They went they went behind, but they stuck to their plan and they got their big break to the penalty. They got Jamie Vardy's the second goal, the flick. And once that happened, once Fernandinho left, 
they knew exactly what to target the space in between Kyle Walker and the space which Fernandinho occupies now there was massive space there with Harvey Barnes who's who's a really really promising player he exploited yeah. a lot of that space as well so yeah that 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 was probably i think uh, i mean Practically yeah. the issues with City. So. Yeah, and I think you're right, Philippe, is out there. I mean, you can't take nothing away from Leicester because he got his tactics right, Brendan Rodgers, and he still stuck. To, he, st- he, got, he changed his tactics in keeping with the strengths of their team as well. They were still able to attack with pace and take advantage of the space in behind City and in front of the defence as well. Um, so, yeah, obviously, main focus of the, the discussion has been on Manchester City, but full credit to Leicester. And it will be. I'm really interested to see what Leicester can do this year whilst being in Europe as well, and whether yeah. he can maintain the the push for the top four whilst being in being in the Europa League. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely something that's that's going to be really interesting to see as well. And moving away from Man City, another controversial. You know, a lot of controversial moments have you know come up this season with the handball rule, which was modified this season by the IFAB. I know. I mean. I mean, I'll just I'll just brief on what the handball rule is first before yeah. we you know kind of discuss on that. So basically, a handball was a handball, basic handball till the end of last season. I mean, that's the easiest <laughs> explanation. But this season, you look at how how the handballs are given. I mean, even if it's a harsh decision, to, it 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 has been given. But according to the rules from I I mean, as declared by IFAB, the International Football association body who, who who makes these rules so what they say is from the shoulder to the arm where where, where your armpit ends i mean till that anywhere below that area you, you could probably say uh, a half sleeve below the half sleeve of your shirt it, it, it's a definite penalty if it hits anywhere there below the half sleeve or below the armpit from your shoulder from uh, it, it's a definite penalty so that that has been the decision this week we saw one in the everton game joel ward joel ward and i don't think he could have done anything there it was very close proximity i don't think he could have done anything there and that was given as penalty everton scored everton one to one and 2-1 or 2-0 was it? 2-1. Yeah, 2-1. Yeah, yeah, 2-1. So, I mean, that, that again becomes a big decider point. And you saw the next day Spurs versus Newcastle, dying minutes. I mean, five minutes before the match ended, I said, okay, Steve Bruce has brought on Andy Carroll and he's going to tell Andy Carroll that, go on, Andy, do your thing, head the ball, score and get us a point. And that's exactly what he did as well. But the only difference being he hit Eric Dyer's hand with his head, with, 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 the, with the ball, I mean. And again, he, Eric Dyer is jumping and it's normal that your hand also goes up. So, I mean, I, I actually tried recreating that at home by jumping because I was having a discussion on a football group with respect to that particular handball. And it is indeed tough. It's natural that your hand goes up. So anyone who actually plays football will obviously agree with me. And and again, it was given a penalty. And based on, I mean, I, I read an article from David Onstein and uh, who, who was it? It was, I think, David Onstein and Matt Slater on The Athletic, who, who said that the Premier League has spoken, the Premier League and the PGMOL, the Referee Association, have spoken to the IFAB and have decided to kind of show some leniency. So based on this leniency, the, the two factors which are very much important for this leniency is the proximity and the hand position. So based on last week's or the, the, the past penalties, the one which was given against Joel Ward and Victor Lindelof against Palace, those two won't be penalties from now on. But the one which was given for Eric Dyer, that will still be a penalty. Yeah. So this, this is the leniency that they mentioned, but I still think it's pretty much unfair to the defenders. And we have a question from Dieter as well, our patron, who said, I mean, do you understand the new handball rule and does it make sense that they changed it at the start of the season? What, what do you think about uh, uh, where do you, I mean, where do you start with this? I mean, this is... Uh, for me, the, the new rule... It's too open for interpretation. Now, I mean, and that's that, that's the best way I can say it. It's too, there's too many sort of, you, you could break down like some of the points that you've just done there and you could sort of say like, well, well, what if this or what if that? And you could bring different scenarios up that are all different. So again, and I don't think, I don't think that's been taken into consideration. It, they, they've just made a bit of a mess of it, haven't they? 
But saying that, saying that, and I'm going slightly off Adita's question here, the one thing that I would say is that, again, that a lot of people are saying, I mean, this has nothing to do with VAR or the referees. Do you know I mean? They're just following the rule. They're following the, the, the rule that they have been told to follow. VAR are not in a position to come in. And oh, at the moment, you're seeing, you're seeing exactly what VAR is there for. And let me explain that in a bit more detail, is that you're seeing the ball hit the hand. The referee might not give the decision, but then VAR is saying into his into his ear, you need to go and have a look at that. Referee stop and play, and then going over to the pitch side monitor. Now that is the process that we want to see in football. That is the process that VAR is there to do, in my opinion. You don't want VAR that way. The referee is still in charge of the game, and the fans have got an idea of what's going on. I know they're not there at the moment, but even looking at it on the telly, so that exact process is correct in my opinion we don't want to defer away from that process that's what we want to do they are saying you actually i'll use kevin friend because he was he was the referee for the Everton game kevin does that's hit him on the hand that you better go over there and have a look at the monitor okay yeah. cheers whoever's there stop play go over there referee looks at it he's obviously got the rule book in his head what is it actually that's a penalty penalty now obviously we'll get to the actual decision in a minute but that 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 process shouldn't be that is exactly what we want to happen whether it's handball in the area whether it's a, a dive that, that is the, the exact process now you'll have to repeat those new changes for me there when has that come into play with it? Has that come into play today or since since it's, the weekend it's 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 going to come in play from the fourth week. That's that's the upcoming game week onwards. So I mean, right. it basically says that I mean, if if your hand is above your head or if if your hand is in I, I don't know uh, what, what do you call it uh, an improper position, it it, it, yeah. will, it will definitely be a penalty. So it's proximity and your hand position, basically the no. the two the two you know uh, yeah. parameters. Now, now the proximity one is not an issue. Because you look at that, the proximity can be judged. Anyone can see that proximity. Whether you're a fan watching on the telly, whether you're a player, any, whether you, yeah, everyone can gauge that looking at the the replays and say, yeah, it's the unnatural position and natural position that really baffles me, to be honest. Because your natural position of the arm on a football pitch is dependent on your body stance, and your body stance is dependent on what the opposition is doing with the ball and maybe whereabouts he's doing it. So, for example, at no point should a defender be stood there with his arms by his side. That shouldn't have happened. It can't be. If, I, if I'm a centre-half and I look to my right-hand side and my defender has got a left winger in front of him with the ball and he's stood there with his arms by his side, then I'm going to rollick him because you can't be mobile enough to keep your hands by your side in that position. So how do they judge what is unnatural and natural Surely it would be ten- dependent on the player's position in accordance to the to the uh, the other player's position who's got the ball. Surely, do you get what has I mean? Has to be, has to be, has to be. Yeah. yeah. So again, they, so as long as that is taken into consideration at the time, so they shouldn't have any issues whatsoever. But I've just made that sound really simple. But uh, again. You can't make that a rule, can you? Then because there's too many interpretations of it. So yeah. I mean, I mean, I, if, if someone I mean, crosses I mean, the ball, yeah, I mean, now, I mean, basically, I just, I just want to know this question, Chris. I mean, I mean, based on what you're speaking itself. So, did you think the Eric Dyer incident was a penalty? Yeah. Oh. Because he jumped for the ball and missed it, and therefore, why wasn't it? Because his arm wasn't, it wasn't in an unnatural position. Okay, okay. It wasn't in a natural position because he jumped for the ball and missed for the bo- missed for the ball. Do you know what I mean? It, I, I think I think Dyer's was a pen. Yeah, I would be. Oh, oh and do, do do you think that's fair? Because I certainly don't think that's fair. Because again, you 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 jump like that, you miss the ball. It's it's pretty much natural that your come your hand comes behind. Again, it's again down to interpretation of different people. But yeah. you see you see the PL referees, you see the PGMOL, you see ex players like Alan Shearer. Well, Actually, say I mean you you can't give that a penalty. It, it, it's it's again naturally. I mean, in terms again, maybe the, this is where the proximity then comes into Dyer's one more than the arm in the natural position. But then again, this is another issue that they've got when they they lay out these point bullet points. What route? What point takes more importance than the other? Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. So like there, you could look at Dyer's and say, okay, then well, his arm. 
he, he can't help put his arm being in that position. Well, if he chose the flight of the ball, he could. Uh, and also, but then you could look at it, oh, or, or, or a good way, a, a better comparison would be the Joel Ward second one, which we got the penalty for, compared to Dominic Carver-Lewin's one. Yeah. That bounced off his hand. Do you know what I mean? So, again, what takes precedence over the other one? So I think that's, that's another thing they've got to do next, is when they come out with all these little points of what is a penalty and what isn't, or the, or the points that are taken into consideration, they've got to put them in order of what takes precedence over the other. Because if you have a handball which ticks a number of points, then you surely have to put them in some kind of order as to why it is or it isn't given, don't you? But again... Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, so, I mean, like, for example, you could say Calvert-Lewin's wasn't given because he's pulling his arm in towards his body. A bit like Joel Ward's first one that wasn't given. He's trying his best yeah. to avoid it because his arm is coming in okay. So that's fine, right? Like Joel Ward when Richardson was trying to cross it, he's trying his best to put his arm behind his back, and he don't know if you've seen the replay. And that's what you want. You don't so and then it bounces off it bounces off his arm and goes behind yeah. his back. Now the second one, Joel Ward's hands going away from his body. So you can understand why it's given as a pair, as compared to the other two. But again, we don't know as fans whether that is actually an important point to be taken into consideration, do we? Because we just get those little bullet pointers of what is taken into consideration and you could fit them yep. into probably two of them. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, what yep. does that take more precedence over the fact, over the sort of, over what? Do you know what I mean? So again, they need to outline it better. The fact that they've made those little changes there, the proximity needs to be considered. Well, we, we, I would have thought it was anyway. I don't know about yourself. Yeah, it, well, I would have thought it, it, the proximity it was, was, yeah, it, it, was it, taken into consideration. You can't yeah, just yeah. chip it. Surely you can't be a yard away from someone. Like for for me, like the like the the Matt Doherty one against Southampton. Yeah. Surely that's not a penalty. It's too close. It's too close. You can't do nothing about that. Do you know what I mean? So surely the referee should look at that and go, hold on. He's only got half a meter there to react. What's what's going on? Do you know what I mean? So surely I would have thought the proximity would uh, and would, would have took, would have been taken into consideration anyway. So. I, I don't know. I still think I still think they're going to have issues with it. I, I would point out though what has been maybe a, the only plus point of the hand rule, uh, handball rule, is the consistency in which the rules are get, in the consistency in which it is given. I mean, you're seeing penalties regularly. That's because all refs are abiding to the one rule. Whether we agree with the rule, that is a separate issue, as you already know. But they're all you're not seeing a penalty given for one reason and then a penalty not given for another reason. But when it's actually the same reason, do you, do you get what I mean? They are getting consistently given across all games. You're not just sort of like, oh, Liverpool are playing Leeds. That's not given there. Oh, oh, wait, yeah. Everton are given. Do you know what I mean? Everton are playing Crystal Palace. It is given. It is actually getting given in all games. So the consistency is there from the refs. It's just the rule itself that, for me, still needs to be outlined. And I think what what we're going to see, it's good that they've made these, they've come out and spoke about it in the last couple of days, like you've pointed out. But I think what we're going to see as a result of that now is a lot more inconsistency. Absolutely, absolutely. I I, yeah. I do I do feel the same that it's it's still going to be you know a very 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 confusing yeah. and controversial situation. Till the end of the season, and actually, this has been actually you know implemented in other leagues where they've actually adapted to it at some stage, and which which probably we might see next season in the Premier League as well. But I mean, based on I mean, we've seen 20 penalties so far in the Premier League this season. I think six yeah. or eight of six or eight of them have already been I think uh, four handballs, and going by the current and only, rate, and only, going, and only and only 15 for Manchester United. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, they're even getting penalties after full time. So Bruno Fernandes, Fernandes might be very much happy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, and I mean, uh, coming to my point, I mean, if if you if you go by the current rate, you will have 292 penalties at the end of the season and 88 given for handball. Obviously, that's not going to happen. It's just based on the current rate, which will yeah. you know, kind of regress back to the mean again. But again, I, I, I definitely definitely think that there's going to be a spike than the normal, than the usual. I mean, it, yeah. it was it was pretty much, you know, uh, so I, I was pretty much surprised to see no one, you know, kind of aiming for the hand in the Liverpool-Arsenal game. No, normally, you see people like Sadio Mane and 
Mo Salah, you know, kind of being a little bit, uh, you know, cheeky and smart. Yeah. Also Aubameyang, but uh, it, it was actually surprising for me to see that no one was really trying that option, which 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 I feel is fair, which I feel is really fair. Yeah, so. yeah again, but that's what it's going to come to. I do think we need to, and I've seen a lot of pundits talking about, like, and this is thinking, I think this is something that football needs to be careful of. Is that basically they're saying they're going down the route now, pundits, because they're talking about it that much. They're also they're almost interpreting the rule that a handball should only be given if it's deliberate. I don't agree with that. Definitely don't agree with that at all. Because let's face it, 99.9% of the time, who actually sticks around knows as a defender to try and stop the ball with the hand. It doesn't happen, does it? Do you know what I mean? Unless it's a goal line where, like, obviously, Luis Suarez and it's, like, the quarterfinal, semifinal of the uh, the World Cup and he's, he's stopping yeah. his team from going out and he tips over the bar. When do you actually see a deliberate handball? I think there's been that much attention over the last couple of days, and rightfully so, to the body position and the unnatural position of the hand and the proximity of the ball and proximity of the player and things like that. I think people... I start to forget about the, the the football element of it. So let's say, for example, again, I'm only straight. This is only my. This is only something I thought of now. While whilst we've been speaking about it, so there probably is a flaw to this argument or a flaw to this rule that I'm about to point out. But what if, like for example, like a player goes to head it, okay, and the keeper. So I don't know. The, the, the defender is sort of or midfield or just anyone who's defending the ball is, I don't know, two metres away from it. And he's about to knock it through. And that man is sort of like the last man. Not not necessarily the last man, but if he doesn't hit his hand, the other player's through on goal. That's a goal-scoring opportunity. Then surely that would be a penalty. Do you know what I mean? If the, if yeah. the, advantage, is yeah. t- if, if the advantage is took away from the team with the ball, it has to be a penalty, whether it's deliberate or not. Do you get what I'm saying? I, I, I don't know if that, that's yep, not yep, been... I don't know, maybe, maybe it was weird in a different way, but when I'm looking at the points of the handball route, and correct me if I'm wrong, Riffer, it not, nothing seems to be related to the element, to the football element of the game. It all seems to be about body position, like I mentioned yes, and quoted. Yes. Like, say, for example, if Salah's running through on goal and, a, a, I don't know, he's, he's cutting down the right wing and a defender comes across the centre-half and Salah goes across the ball, Mane's in acres of space coming in, all he's got is a tap-in, but it hits the defender's hand, but it's only it's only sort of like a metre away from the body. It's not deliberate. His hand's in, a, in, in what you would call a natural position. Is that not a penalty? Well, surely it would be because Mane was just going to tap the ball in the goal, wasn't he? But again, but again that, that that would be unfair to defender. I, I don't think yeah. that's going to be a penalty. I, like, I, I don't see many referees but if he was on, but what I'm saying is, if he's on the goal line, it would be a penalty. So what's the difference? Yeah, that, that's, do you know what I'm saying? That's, that's, that's a fair shout. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If you if you, if someone crosses the ball in, right, and Van Dijk powers ahead, it beats the keeper. It's going in and it hits someone on the elbow or the hand, the defender on the post, but he doesn't know nothing about it. Then the referee would award the penalty, surely, because it's going to go in the goal. Yeah. They wouldn't say, yeah. oh, it's accidental and his hand's in a natural position. Yeah. Surely. I, w- I would feel massively aggrieved if Michael Keane's done a header. It beats the keeper. The keeper's got no chance <laughs> of getting it. It hits the it hits the fullback on the hand, blatantly on the hand, but he doesn't know much about it and his hand's by his, like, sort of, like, in what you would call a natural position. And and the referee doesn't blow up for a penalty. I would be I would be I would be pissed off <laughs> as a fan <laughs> if that happened because it was about, it's going to be a goal, isn't it? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, I think I think that's where they need to be careful of saying it has to be deliberate. I think I think that needs to be outlined a bit. If they're going to say that, if they're going to go down that rule, there has to be a few sort of like hold on. If that happened, or like sort of a bit more of a I don't know what the right word is a bit. A, 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 bit, a bit more of an allowance, if you like. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, like, like you said, like you, like you said earlier. I mean, clarity is probably one of the most important things. But in terms of the refereeing decisions and laws of the game, you don't see much clarity out there on the internet, even in the journalism space, much because that's that's not shared in depth. That's not shared very clearly. That's ex- that's exactly what we are seeing here with the handball rule as well. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I think I think full credit to the referees at the moment because obviously they're sticking to the rule. Obviously, we're all disagreeing with the rules in place, and that. I think I think that's become well publicised. But I think referees deserve credit actually for the consistency in which they're sticking to the rule. Because if they weren't, they will be getting slated left, right, and centre. Oh, performance is not good enough. How's he not seeing this? How's he not seeing that? So at the moment it's getting that rule sorted out and they keep making little tweaks to it and it's going to go down the offside route eventually where it's just like no one knows what the hell's going to go on going on with it uh, and yeah, no one knows exactly. the rule and it's like why'd you change the rule so many times of course it's going to it's going to add to the confusion when you've changed the rule some 14 times in five years or whatever do you know what I mean it's just <laughs> it's it's just it's just ludicrous at the moment who actually makes these decisions but it, it is a difficult one with the handball because again like I said you don't want to go down I don't feel this should go down it has to be deliberate route because of those little inc- incidents that I've just pointed out but then I suppose you, you can't go down too far the other route because you need to give defenders a chance of, of course <laughs> do you know what I mean they can't yeah. they can't tie their hands behind the back at all times but again hopefully the referees get a bit more training and actually take into the point that I made about the, the, the unnatural position of the hand because that that is dependent on the body stance which is dependent on what the, the opposition's player is about to do with the ball and I can tell you that from yeah. playing the game myself if I'm do you know what I mean? If I'm, if I'm, there's a little attribute in football which is called anticipation, and you're allowed to do it. So if you're a defender, like for example Joel Ward against Dinier's, Dinier knocks that ball down with his head. And what I was saying there about Joel Ward, Joel Ward's hand going away from his body, but maybe that was going away from his body because he was trying to anticipate the ball getting played to his left hand side, and he was going to try and cut it out. Do you know what I mean? So it ain't actually his hand moving out. It might have just been his body ch- turning in that direction. So yeah. it, is, it is a little. Do you know what I mean? And that's all he's done there is try to anticipate the play. There's no, there's no, there's no offence in that. What what you're going to see here at the moment, say if it carries on, is defenders basically standing still and giving the opportunity, which is just going to give the attackers more, make it easier for them to take them on because the players can't move their arms or adjust the body at any point. Because it's going to get exactly. it's going to get it's going to get labelled as an unnatural position when it's not actually an unnatural position because his body stance makes his hand yeah. in that position, which is different to what it would be far, two yards away if the if the player was doing something else with the ball. So these are all things that I hope the referees take into consider, consideration when they're viewing, reviewing the monitors. Yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah. there's, there's, there's actually a whole, a whole lot to talk about because obviously there's no proper clarity again, and and I think we can actually take a number of no, number of situations where you know this 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 actually you know has a has 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 two sides to it. The decision has two yeah. sides to it, especially. So yeah, so let let let's pro- it, it's it's good that uh, you know we better stop it here. And yeah. you know, be, 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 before quickly winding up the podcast, just just uh, five minute, we will just do a small five minute recap of the big loss in the Bundesliga again. I mean, Dortmund lost, but the biggest loss was Bayern going down 4-1 mm-hmm. to Hoffenheim, which is which was a shocking result. But again, I, I mean, personally, I, mm-hmm. I I saw a loss coming sometime soon because of the hectic schedule. And it yeah. finally came. It finally came, and they can probably you now take that on the chin and move on and. No, try to better it up. So, I mean, I, I did not catch the full game. I, I could not find the time to catch the full game either. So, I mean, you you obviously saw the full game. So, I, I'd like to ask yeah. you, what, you know, just a small three to four minute analysis from your side on the performance. Yeah. Again, it was a game in which you expect Bayern Munich to dominate possession, which they did. Uh, I didn't get the final uh, possession, but I know it was at 70%, 71, 72 at various points throughout the game. Again, just not clinical enough. And I don't just mean with the chances, but I just mean in terms of the possession and what they were doing with it. I mean, you could probably compare it to the Manchester City game in so many ways of the fact that they just weren't they weren't just they just weren't that good when in possession of the ball. I mean, they rested uh, Lewandowski. Uh, started with uh, the young lad Joshua uh, Zegzi. Uh, I think I'm pronouncing that right. Obviously, Lewandowski came onto the pitch, but in the first half, I, I, Hoffenheim. I want to say again. It depends the way you judge the possession stats. I always think I think Hoffenheim deserves uh, deserve the lead. 
at their points. There was many points. Uh, people would look at the possession and go, well, no, Bayern Munich have dominated the game. Well, they didn't dominate the game because if you've got a team with 70% possession of the ball and the other team's got 30, but the other team's created more goal-scoring opportunities, then for me, they deserve to be in the lead because they're doing better stuff with the ball. And that's just maybe that's just the way I look at it. I know not every game is always as clear-cut as that, but I thought this game was, and I thought Hoffenheim looked, they, they looked like they had a game plan. Uh, again, I don't know, Bayern Munich lit, set up in their 4 2 3 one Hoffenheim again, uh, switching between a 4-3, uh, a 3-4-3 and a, a sort of a 5-2-3 at times. Maybe that's the Achilles of the 4-2-3-1, similar to the Manchester City-Leicester game there, but they definitely had the game plan and, rightfully, and, and won the game for me. I think Bayern Munich, I don't. I think it's a little bit too early to say that maybe we were all getting overhyped with the, the Champions League performances at the at the end of last season. But I do think they've got an issue with the depth of the team. Obviously, Thiago's gone. Uh, I know that it's well, I don't know if Javi Martinez is gone yet, but he is. I know they might be, they might be looking to get him out. Yeah. Uh, and, and they're not really getting linked with any kind of other players coming in. I know they've gotten, get, they've, they've been linked with Max Ahrens and I know they, uh, they, they missed out on Dest, didn't they? Who went to Barcelona. So I know they are actively pursuing other options by Munich at the moment, but they might, they, given the schedule that they've got coming up and given the fact that people have made them clear favourites for the Champions League, which I don't agree with because they're a little bit light at the moment, I would say, in terms of the squad, I think. And when we were speaking to Ronan the other week on the podcast, he was sort of making out like the Bundesliga is a foregone conclusion. I don't think I don't think it is. Obviously, Borussia Dortmund getting beat wasn't wasn't ideal for them. But I think there will be opportunities. I think there will be opportunities in the, within the Bundesliga this year for other teams to actually challenge Bayern Munich if they don't get. Uh, if they were to get maybe one or two more in and if they were to have a bad luck with injuries, you would certainly have an issue if Lewandowski was to get a two or three month injury. Yes. Yes. Definitely. Yes. And rightfully so. I mean, his best straight, he's probably been the best number nine in world football for a good couple of years now. I know last season, his form last season was well speculated, but I mean, he, he's been doing what he's done last season for a number of years. It wasn't just last season. Uh, but yeah, I don't, I'd be surprised if, if, if that results or that outcome happened too often, but the, it, it did show, it did show they were human at least, and Hoffenheim showed maybe laid a bit of a blueprint on how to beat them. Exactly, yeah. I mean, I I, I could not watch the full game again, like I said before. So no. obviously, with regard yeah. to the game, I, I I probably can't judge. But when you look at the season again, I mean, Ronan said, yeah, Bayern would cruise in. I mean, I also kind of felt the same, but. Again, it's the Bundesliga. It's it's it, it's pretty amazing there. It's pretty amusing out there, and I I definitely think probably you know we have to wait till January to see what happens and before before we actually pass out you know a judgment. So I'll I'll definitely personally you know wait wait till January to probably pick pick my you know winner as such. So, yeah, yeah, I get, yeah. Yeah, I, I, like I said, I, I think they will win it. I don't think the Champions League is a foregone conclusion because I think they need more depth to the team to be able to start saying that they're, they're, they're the real favourites. And again, it's, they play a bit similar to the way Liverpool do and a bit similar to the way Manchester City. I mean, when I say they play, sorry, that's probably the wrong word. The principles are the same. They do push high up the pitch. And again, they judge it. I think they, they look at the opportunities that they might get in getting behind the highlight it's like a calculated risk I mean they're prepared to let them, that risk happen given how potent they are in the other end of the field and how good they are at getting the ball back so but that that means that there will be the other time where people if people show that little bit of braveness against them and show that little bit more of a clinical edge there will be opportunities to score against Bayern Munich and there will be opportunities to beat them yeah 100% agree with that again so yes that that brings us to the end of this episode again um, thank you so much once again Chris for you know, coming on and speaking football as mm. always today I mean the, today I mean today when while we record it's it's international podcast day and again I mean we're we are so I mean I, I'm actually going to thank all our listeners especially for tuning into our show and you know, making this a success and most importantly, thank you to you as well, who you know who makes it pretty more enjoyable for me 
as a host <laughs> and, and and also you know bo- both of us are kind of hosts and guests so that makes it even more exciting for myself and that that that's probably something and and probably a liverpool everton combination is something that's again <laughs> unique from this podcast so. <laughs> Yeah, no, uh, obviously special thank you to everyone that listens, special thank you to the Patreons and a thank you to you as well, mate. It's an absolute privilege to do it with you and I look forward yeah. to doing many more. Absolutely. I mean, we're going to be doing every week, we're going to be doing podcasts every week unless we, you know, we come up with some kind of emergency. Yeah. Unless, unless Liverpool beat Everton in the derby, we'll probably... You might not be able to get hold of me that week. <laughs> I mean, I mean, if it, if it, if it goes the other way around as well, I, I'll, I'll probably have to hide out somewhere. Yeah, if it goes the other way, mate, I'll be recording podcasts every day on my own. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll Just probably to highlight have, the issue. I, I'll probably have to, you know, quit, uh, ex- press the exit button from the, from a WhatsApp group as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that's that's probably end of that brings us to the end of this podcast. Once again, thank you to all the listeners and especially all our patrons as well because you guys support us to another level and we appreciate that a lot. I mean, we are planning to release more bonus content for you guys exclusively and we will start that probably from the beginning of November if things go according to plan and until then please bear with us and enjoy the podcast and that's it with the, with, with this episode until the next episode bye bye and take care